السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع نفوسنا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين واللعن الدائم على أعدائهم ومبغضيهم أجمعين صلى الله عليك يا أبا عبد الله My condolences to the brothers and sisters on the arrival of Ashura. May Allah bless all of you. May Allah bless us and grant us tears for Abu Abdullah al Hussein. And may Allah bless us with his shafa'a in the hereafter and his ziyarah in this life. Continuing with our discussion on this dear night. The discussion of what happened, what went wrong that Ashura eventually took place. How is it that the enemies of Islam and the Banu Umayyah, they came back to power and as a result of them coming back to absolute power were able to take the life of the final grandson of the Holy Prophet We reached, we put behind us the Hakamiyyah, the Tahkim of the Battle of Siffin this battle of Sifin, we talked about the arbitration that came about after the battle of Sifin was over and was all of a sudden halted as a result of the lack of insight of the army of Imam Ali salam. We talked about that. This battle of Sifin, if I'm going to say it in a nutshell, it yielded three cursed fruits. Number one, was that of the arbitration that we talked about. And as a result of that, Muawiyah's rule in Sham is established and undisputed now, and really uncontended. That was the first fruit. The second fruit of Sifin was the Khawarij and the Battle of Nahrawan that we'll talk about inshallah. This second fruit of Sifin, as a matter of fact, and in reality, is the result of the arbitration. We'll talk about that. So if I say that there's three fruits, in reality, there's one fruit, and that was the arbitration. Out of that comes the second fruit, which is the Khawarij slash the Battle of Nahrawan. And then finally, the third fruit, the third cursed fruit of Sifin. And in reality, the fruit of the Khawarij is the assassination of Ali ibn Abi Talib We want to talk about these three, or we already talked about arbitration, talk about these two inshallah. The Khawarij slash Nahrawan and the assassination of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And these two also play a major role in Banu Umayyah eventually coming to absolute power. Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan coming to absolute power. Let us talk about the Khawarij first and the battle of Nahrawan that ensued. And then we will get to Imam Ali salam's assassination. It says that after the arbitration, the Imam gets ready to go fight Muawiyah again. We have to understand, brothers and sisters, that Imam Ali, he did uh, concede to the arbitration. He said, we will go by whatever these arbiters come to as a conclusion, but they have to, they have to pass a judgment based on the Qur'an and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. But when they come back and they say, no, Ali ibn Abi Talib, you stay where you are, and Muawiyah, you stay where you are. And that was the minimalist perspective of the arbitration, by the way. We talked about this yesterday as well. The Shia school, 
the our, the, our historians and, and some of the historians of Ahl Sunnah also will say it was more than that. Not only did Muawiyah stay where he was, but he also now claimed to be Khalifatul Muslimin and Amr bin Al-As, who was his representative in the arbitration, he took Khilafah and placed it in the hands of Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan. But as I said, for argument's sake, if we're going to be minimalists in this, and we say that Muawiyah stays as the ruler and Amir of Sham, and Ali ibn Abi Talib is still the ruler and Khalifa of the rest of Muslim lands, still Ali ibn Abi Talib is not going to concede to this conclusion. Why? Because the Khalifa has authority over everybody without an exception. What does this mean? That Muawiyah can be in Sham and have his own uh, sovereign state as if, and he doesn't have to give bay'ah to Ali ibn Abi Talib, who with, is now un, undisputedly the Khalifatul Muslimin, Ali ibn Abi Talib. Everyone has given him bay'ah. So since it was clear that their judgment was wrong, Imam Ali says, okay, now that this arbitration took place and now we see that their judgment is so off, it's time to go and fight Muawiyah again. Like this person is the Ra'sul Fitna. Yes, the head of fitna, we have to get rid of him because he's not giving bay'ah. Now some might say, how does Ali ibn Abi Talib know that this judgment was against the Qur'an? Well, it's very clear, brothers and sisters. If you remember, we talked yesterday about how the, the, one, the, the army of Sham led by Muawiyah was Al-Fi'atul Baghiyah. They were the group and the party that were the aggressors and so the Qur'an clearly says what's supposed to happen with these people. They're the ones who have to be forced to come back uh, and give in to the command of Allah and Islam. I'll just read the verse for you, Surah Hujurat, verse 9. It says, if two groups of the faithful fight one another, make peace between them. But if one party of them aggresses against the other, fight the one which aggresses until it returns to Allah's ordinance. Then if it returns, make peace between them fairly and do justice. Indeed, Allah loves the just. Here, Muawiyah's army, even if you say through the death of Ammar bin Yasir, is identified now as Al-Fi'atul Baghiyah, the one that was aggressive, the aggressor. And so, they're supposed to come back to the command of Allah, meaning what? Put down their weapons, give bay'ah to Ali ibn Abi Talib. This didn't happen. So Ali says, you guys are not going by the Qur'an, so we're going to fight. And we're going to continue to fight until things go back, go and... In the direction that they're supposed to go. Yes, so it doesn't make sense that Muawiyah is going to stay in power for Ali. Ali salam. Ali salam goes and wants to fight. Now here, there are, as I said yesterday, time has passed between the Battle of Safin ending and the arbitration happening. Months have passed, and so in this time, there are people who are upset with Ali ibn Abi Talib. Why did you concede? Why did you give up? Why did you give in? He says, you forced me to. No, you shouldn't have. How dare you make people judge? God is supposed to be the judge. The Quran is supposed to be the judge. In al-hukmu illa lillah. How dare you? Ali says, come on. Like, what are you talking about? And by the way, these were people who were ignorant people, mostly Bedouins, our history tells us, that weren't very educated, were kind of illiterate even some of them. And so they saw things black and white. And unfortunately till today, this black and white approach to Islam and to the Qur'an and, 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 and to the literature that we have, till today we have this problem in the Shi'i school of thought and in the Sunni school of thought. People who look at things black and white and cause major issues 
for the Muslim Ummah. Back then, the Khawarij were born as a result of this mentality. And so they start breaking away from Ali ibn Abi Talib, start doing takfir of Ali ibn Abi Talib, calling him a kafir, saying that he's left the religion, we cannot pray behind you, we cannot follow you, we cannot help you in any way. So now, when the Imam is getting ready to go fight the army of Sham again, and Muawiyah again, and these are the parts that usually they don't tell us, that Ali was not giving up on Muawiyah. It's not that just Safin happened, okay, now it's all over, we go back to our homes. No, Ali wants to make sure he gets rid of Muawiyah or brings him under his bay'ah. So the Imam is putting together the army. He also lets these people know who are now become khawarij, that hey, we're going. If you want to come fight against Muawiyah, come. And they say, no, we don't believe that you're the Imam anymore. And we don't believe in you anymore. And as I said, they don't believe he's Muslim anymore, unfortunately. So as the Imam is making his way north towards Asham, he's still in Iraq though, not too far away from Kufa, it is that it is when the Khawarij start killing people. Those who attest to the Khilafah and Imamah of Ali ibn Abi Talib, they start killing them and causing problems. And Ali salam says, you know what, I'm not going to leave these people and go and leave Kufa with women and children and go fight in Sham while these people can do whatever they want. And so he comes back and fights them in the Battle of Nahrawan. I want us to understand this, that it's not like the Battle of Jamal or Safin, that this was a separate battle on its own. It's not that big a deal. Yes, of course, they, it is listed as one of the three major battles of the, of the Khilafah of Ali ibn Abi Talib for sure. But one thing I want us to keep in mind is that the significance of this battle is nowhere close to that of Safin and Nahrawan. Uh, excuse, excuse me, of Safin and Jamal. Why do I say this? Inshallah, we'll, I'll get to a couple of points maybe later, a little bit later of why I say this and why I'm making a big deal about it. Okay. 14,000 um, soldiers make up the army of Ali, alayhi salam. 3,000, about 3,000, 3,500 in the camp of the Khawarij. Now they were more than that, but even that, some of them broke off and were not interested in fighting. And so the ones that were left were about 3,300, 3,500 who fought. And in this battle, they got exterminated. Maybe a few fled and saved their lives, but the majority, a very high majority of them, and a great majority of them were killed in this battle, while from Ali ibn Abi Talib's uh, army, only 10, they say, became shaheed. Okay, so now, these people who've been defeated, these are the Khawarij. No big deal, right? Let's move on to, let's move on to Asham and fighting Muawiyah, Ali says. Before I continue the story, this is the point I wanted to make now. That when you look at the ones who might be a little more biased towards the, the Muawiyahs of that time, the ones who, for them, what's the most important thing you feel sometimes is to defend the image of Muawiyah, here they will go all out and make the biggest deal about the Khawarij and sending their la'na on them and cursing them. Why? Because you don't find one Sahabi amongst them. If what they did was wrong, yes, then what others do, did was also wrong. Why make such a big deal about Nahrawan? Nahrawan was something on the side that took place. It is one of the major battles, without a doubt, of those, of those five years and some of Ali ibn Abi Talib's Khilafah. But it's nowhere close to Siffin, nowhere close to Jamal. 
Yeah? But a, such a big deal sometimes is made of Nahrawan, such a big deal is made of the Khawarij, as if they're up there next to Muawiyah in, in their animosity and in, their, and, and in them being a problem for Islam. But no, what we find in Nahj al is the exact opposite. And it seems that the only reason why a big deal is made about Nahrawan is because others cannot make a big deal about Safin or about Jamal, the battle, these two battles. And so now here they can go all out. Yeah, no. Okay, if that if the if the act is wrong, it's wrong everywhere. It, going against the Khalifa of your time is wrong. It's wrong everywhere. Of course, there will be answers that will be given. They'll say, "Oh no, these ones in the Khawarij they were doing takfir of Amirul Mu'minin, but in Safin and in Jamal, no one's doing takfir of each other. They all loved each other. They were all brothers. Ikhwanuna bagaw alayna, and so on and so forth. Yes, of course, the Shi'i school of thought here will beg to differ. Now. In Nahj al-Balagha, what does Amir al-Mu'mineen say about all of this? He says, لَا تُقَاتِلُ الْخَوَارِجَ بَعْدِهِ After me, I don't want you to fight the Khawarij anymore. Forget about the Khawarij. It's like a fly that comes and you just, uh, with your hand, wave away and the fly is gone. Don't worry about them. They're not the main problem. لَا تُقَاتِلُ الْخَوَارِجَ بَعْدِهِ Why? Because the Khawarij, they are trying, they, they're actually aiming for the truth, the Imam says in Nahj al-Balagha. They're actually aiming for the truth, but they missed the truth. They didn't hit the target. This is very big, by the way. They're after truth, but they don't hit it. Then what's the problem? O oh, Imam Ali, O oh, Amir al-Mu'minin The problem is, is Muawiyah. He says the one who tries to hit the truth, the target of the truth, but misses it, is different than the one who tries and is aiming for batil and falsehood and actually hits the bullseye. Muawiyah, he's the main problem. So Nahrawan, some people make a huge deal about it. It is a big deal, but the way they make a big deal about it, you can tell it's because Sifin and Jamal, they weren't, they weren't able to make a big deal about it. And so here, we have to be careful. The Shi'i school looks at it like this, I would say. This is my understanding from what I've read in the sources, in, in our sources, and based on what the Imam says in Nahj al-Balagha and so on. Alright, so now it's time to go back after Muawiyah. Army of Ali has to continue on its way to Sham, and wherever they're going to meet and fight the Shamites. The problem though is this, after the battle of Nahrawan, and this is why the battle of Nahrawan is one of those milestones, is one of those dots that connects with the rest of the dots, leading up to Ashura. Here, the people, the army of Ali, they say, look, we're tired. If the battle of Nahrawan hadn't taken place, the people probably would not have said they're tired. This big army would have made its way towards Sham, and they would have fought against Muawiyah. But now, since the battle of Nahrawan has taken place, the people are saying, we're tired. The, the Ash'ath bin Qaises do their thing as well. Unfortunately, Ash'ath bin Qais, he again and again is one of the ones that's behind stopping and slowing down the army of Ali In Safin he did it and imposed the Hakamiyyah and the Tahkim upon Ali ibn Abi Talib along with others. Here also he's doing his thing again and discouraging that they go and fight. So the Imam, it says that he was slowly deserted by his people. It reached the point everyone went back to Kufa. You know, Kufa's right next door, let's go back home. And only 300 are left with Ali السلام, according to this report, out of the 14,000 maybe. And so what is Ali ibn Abi Talib to do? 
And it is after all of this, those of you who read Nahj al-Balagha and you see Ali always, Ali alayhi salam always complaining about the Kufans, it's after these incidents that Ali is fed up with them. They did a good job in Siffin, except for you know, the part where the arbitration was imposed, but the fighting that they did in Jamal, wow! Ali ibn Abi Talib salam, was proud of the Kufans. But when the time comes now, like it's time that we have to uproot the root of all evil. No, we're not ready anymore. We're tired. Let us go back. And they go back to Kufa, the people. And so Ali, it's, it's after all of this that he gives those long, lengthy sermons where he is scolding the people of Kufa. I'm just going to read an excerpt from one of them, Nahjul Balagha, Sermon 39. He says, I am faced with men who do not obey when I order and do not respond when I call them. May you have no father. Woe to you, in other words. That's, a way, that's an expression in Arabic. La aballakum. Woe to you. What are you waiting for? To rise for the cause of Allah. Does not faith join you together or sense of shame rouse you? Like either shame and haya should push you in the direction of fighting in the way of God. Or faith and iman, which is even better. But no, it's not happening. I stand among you shouting and I am calling you for help. But you do not listen to my word and do not obey my orders till circumstances show out their bad consequences. No blood can be avenged through you and no purpose can be achieved with you. I called you for help of your brethren, but made, you made noises like the camel having pain in its stomach. You know, coming up with excuses. And became loose like the camel of thin back that really can't do anything, can't do much. And this is where history, brothers and sisters, becomes very sad. This is where you can actually see now. You can see in the horizon the blood of the Ahlul Bayt being spilled in the future sometime. When Ali alayhi salam is losing the support, then the ones to come after him like Al-Hasan alayhi salam, Al-Hussein alayhi salam for sure are not going to have enough support. While Muawiyah is moving forward full steam, and he is gaining, making gains left and right. So this is now that sad part of history that slowly Muawiyah is able to now use his skills. The luck pays off. The risks that Muawiyah took pay off. And now it's time for him to use some skill. And so he does that. When he knows and notices that the people are faltering now. The people aren't interested anymore. The people are tired and the people are divided, he knows what to do, Muawiyah knows what to do. So the first thing they say is that he does in our history sources is that after Imam Ali starts losing some of his great uh, supporters and commanders like Malik al-Ashtar, like Muhammad bin Abi Bakr, and he also lost Ammar bin Yasir in Sufin, he loses these, Malik al-Ashtar is poisoned by the henchmen of Muawiyah. Muhammad bin Abi Bakr is killed in a very gruesome manner by the henchmen of Muawiyah. Once Imam Ali starts losing these great individuals left and right, Muawiyah sees that now is the opportunity to add to Sham the, the, the land of Egypt and Masr. And he does that. He conquers Egypt annexes that to his kingdom, to his jurisdiction. And he doesn't stop there now. And I'm going to read off of a few of that which history tells us about the other places that he would send 
um, groups to attack and armies to attack and come back. So for example, in Basra, it says Muawiyah's people tried to take it over, but finally lost to Imam Ali's people. But of course, they're able to strike a blow. Kufa itself was attacked by the Hakub ibn Qais, which is also another villain uh, that we don't have time to talk about, the Hakub ibn Qais. It says Kufa itself was attacked by the Hakub ibn Qais and three to four thousand of, of the army that he has. But Hujr bin Adi was able to fight them off with four thousand that he had. But the Kufans here didn't help the Imam that much. Another army of 2,000 led by Nu'man bin Bashir to strike another corner of Imam Ali, of Imam Ali's jurisdiction. Sufyan bin Auf with 6,000 attacked Al-Ambar and killed people and looted it and returned to Sham. Imam Ali sent 8,000 to fight them, but they had already made it back to Sham. Yes, so go strike and come back. This way you, you, you destroy the morale of the people. The people feel like there's no safety anymore. When the people don't feel safe, the ruler, the governor, whoever it is, is going to have trouble. Yes, is going to have trouble keeping them on his or her, on their side. So Imam Ali writes a letter in which he complains to the Kufans about how they didn't answer his call to fight offensively. And that's why now they have to go and fight defensively. And they're being struck left and right. So he's scolding them. He says, this is what happens. When you don't accompany me to go and fight Sham, they're going to come. And they're going to hit us for where it hurts. And so here, after this letter, it says 300 people came together uh, to help the Imam. This is nothing. And this shows that the Kufans all of a sudden changed from what they were to now these people. And these are the same people in the future that are going to be trying to help Imam Hassan or Imam Hussein. Of course, it's not going to work out. Um, Muawiyah, it says, sent an army to Mecca during Hajj to gain supporters for himself. No battle took place there, but there are some interesting things that happened there as well. And so he has an army there. He, he, he makes his presence known even in Mecca and during Hajj time. Yes, Imam Ali sends an army to intercept this army that has come to Mecca, but by the time they make it, Muawiyah's army is gone. Busr bin Artah, one of the biggest criminals in the history of Islam. Now, lots of these things, if not all of what I've mentioned, brothers and sisters, will be dismissed by the, those who defend Muawiyah and have a bias towards him. And they will say, no, these are all lies. These are all made up in the history books, yes, and fabricated to give a bad name and a bad image to Muawiyah. Every person to each their own opinion, yes. S uh, some Sunni historians and the mainstream Shi'i historians, they are convinced that no, these have happened and taken place in history, yes. And there are some who will say, no, they have not happened, yeah. And they're not little in number either. I want us to be uh, to to keep this in mind and be fair when it comes to these things as well. So we have both sides here. We have both opinions here, and they have a lot of adherence. All right. But Busr bin Arta, this huge criminal, which unfortunately I went on YouTube and I was checking to see what some of the sheikhs say about him. Some even would say would say that you know radiyallahu an even to that extent. They would go, who is this Busr bin Artah? He is one of those commanders, one of those chiefs of Muawiyah that he sends. That some uh, history reports tell us that he killed up to 30,000 people. Goes to Medina first. The governor of, of Medina flees, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, this grand companion of Rasulullah Goes to Mecca. The governor there is Qutham bin uh, Abbas. He also flees apparently. Ta'if, Najran, Yemen. 
Hadramut, all of these places, a line of fire is made. Everywhere he's going, he's slaughtering people, slaughtering Shia. Shia back then, yes, was the political Shia, in the sense that those who believed that Imam Ali is the Khalifa, we're, we're supposed to follow him. <laughs> Forget about believing he's infallible or not or whatever. No, no, we believe that he is the Khalifa that we have to follow. Yes, people were slaughtered and massacred. So all of this is really destroying and uh, the, the Ummah of Islam that is under Ali ibn Abi Talib's rule. And you can think that how much things are getting worse and worse and the situation is decaying, how bad it's become. Amir al-Mu'mineen is in the middle of all of this. He's trying to somehow, without the help of the proper help of the people, trying to make things work. Send an army here, send an army there. But then, yeah, nothing is happening. Nothing is coming out of all of this, all of these efforts. One after another, these places are attacked by the henchmen of Muawiyah, by the armies of Muawiyah. Imam Ali with this Busr bin Artah, he sends an army to intercept them. But in the middle of this is when Ali ibn Abi Talib becomes shaheed and is murdered by Abdul Rahman bin Muljim. And this Abdul Rahman is one of those they say that was left of the Khawarij. Yes? So this, the Khawarij and Nahrawan is very significant in two ways. Number one, the fact that after the battle of Nahrawan, the people said, we're tired, we don't want to go to Sham and fight Muawiyah anymore. That's one. And number two, it's significant because those who were left and survived this battle, now they really have a grudge. Now they're really hateful of Ali ibn Abi Talib, as they are of Muawiyah and Amr bin al-As. And so they try to assassinate these three individuals at the same time, on the same day, wherever they were. Amr bin al-As in Egypt, Muawiyah in Sham, and Ali ibn Abi Talib in Kufa. But the only one who succeeds is Abdul Rahman. Bin Muljim and Ali ibn Abi Talib becomes shaheed as a result. So the shahada of Ali salam is the second cursed fruit of Nahrawan in particular. This is the result of the Khawarij and Nahrawan. That was the result of the arbitration. That was the result of Sufin. That was the result of Uthman's blood. Everything goes back to the assassination of Uthman, unfortunately. And so this is where you understand why, to an extent, why Ali ibn Abi Talib, once he is struck in the middle of all these problems and all the patience that he has to have, and all the thorns as if that are in his eye, that are stuck in his throat, that are suffocating him. It is only after all of this that when he is struck and it's time to leave this dark dunya, that he says, Fustu wa Rabbil Ka'bah. Yes? It only makes sense after we go through this history, understand how his own people betrayed him, how his own people deserted him. If on this day of Ashura, we hear Imam Hussain say, Hal min nasirin yansuruna? Is there not someone to help us? It is the result of the Fuzto wa Rabbil Ka'bah of Ali. That strike, that blow, on that night, the 19th of Ramadan, that took out Ali ibn Abi Talib eventually and orphaned the Muslim Ummah, took from the Muslim Ummah that father of theirs. It is a result of that that on Ashura, 
we will hear Hussein ibn Ali السلام, say Hal min Nasirin Yansuruna. Fustu Rabbil Kaaba was the result of 30 years of mistakes, betrayal, and evil. So the assassination of Ali السلام, is going to be one of those main events in this timeline of Ashura. That after that, all power can now easily go and be transferred to the Banu Umayyah, can be transferred to Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan. And for more details on that, I'm going to leave it for uh, our lecture tomorrow. Assalamu ala al Hussein, wa ala Ali ibn al Hussein, wa ala awlad al Hussein, wa ala ashab al Hussein. جميعاً ورحمة الله وبركاته.